Well, hey, everybody, it's that time of the day on a Sunday. It's time for another episode. And with us tonight is uh, the one and only John Seaman. John, how are you doing today? Doing well. Good. Glad to be here. Thanks good, for inviting good. me. You are, you're one of the people I wanted to make sure we had because uh, we some of us kind of aren't sure or we just want to know more of the history of the business and history of, of your part of the business. And, and tell us a little bit, John, what you're up to these days. Well, these days I'm trying to survive the the, uh, the virus like everybody else and trying to find things online to do and at the same time get outside when I can. And, uh, one plus to it, I've gotten closer to one friend that lives nearby whom I was friends with, but now we spend a lot of time together because he lives by himself, I live by myself. So it's resulted in a deeper, closer friendship there, which has been great. Uh, and and you're kind of uh, a, what I would call a Zoom master. You're you're doing everything on Zoom these days. Well, I'm doing improv on Zoom. A couple of Zoom improv classes each week. I do a writing class. Uh, I take a Pilates Zoom lesson online, um, and then I try to get out. I tried to get start playing tennis again, and uh, I'm not as young as I thought I was. <laughs> hey, Howie. Hi, Johnny. Great to see you. You too. Hi, Patrick. Hey, how we doing? We just had Herschel here in town. I know. I've been following you on Facebook. Oh. Patrick, you're a fucking saint. <laughs> Thank you so much for what you, you gave him. Oh, he he was stunned of, of the love. He didn't understand. He didn't understand people in Iowa, and he says, man, he says, I'd have gone to that same convenience store lady 15 times before I'd even gotten a hay, and that lady wanted to know how my day was going. <laughs> and he'd never had sweet corn before, corn on the cob. And uh, he'd never had eaten that before, so, but it was, it was fun times, and so, but. Uh, I'll, be I'll be surprised if he doesn't buy a return ticket and move. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you'll like the winters. <laughs> That's for sure. So, what's well, your day, John? How you doing? Doing in, yeah, hanging in here like everybody during the virus. Uh, yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, John. Has been a, a Zoom master. He does uh, improv on Zoom now, and, and all sorts of. What what else are we doing on Zoom? Uh, writing class. Uh, sometimes I'll. Uh, meet with somebody and it's just a two-person Zoom and we'll throw writing prompts at each other and do that. Uh, doing whatever I, I can to distract myself from sitting around waiting for the virus to end. Yeah, sure. Uh, what do you miss about the business? You know, you've been out of the business for a number of years. Uh, when, when did you start and when did you wrap things up and, and what do you miss about it? I started in 1970, really did my last thing in 85, uh, and I miss the, the uh, camaraderie, really. I miss the people. That's the main thing. And, of course, I was dying to get as much sex as I possibly could in those days. So those two things, really. I noticed on a lot of the movies that you, a um, couple movies that you and um, – Lisa DeLay did, where you were kind of like the narrators or the host of the movie, and then you showed other shots of, like, a, it was kind of a compilation film, but you and Lisa kind of emceed the thing, and I, I think you did that on a couple different movies. I have a memory of doing something with her like that, mm -hmm. but uh, I, I, I don't know much more than that. Yeah. Sure. sure. Um, we met in 2015 at the Legends of Exotica event, and that's, of course, where I met uh, Richard Pacheco as well, too. Um, you got inducted to the 2015 class, along with uh, Melissa Hill and Eric Evan Stone and, and uh, Paul Johnson and a bunch of others, and that's where I met you, and I just, um, you were in a, a nice suit coat, kind of just uh, walking around, and I, I unfortunately didn't even recognize who you were. I felt bad about that. No problem. Do, no problem. <laughs> I do have a picture of you writing your name in the stone. So, 
So there's a... I've only been recognized a couple of times from the films. Once I was getting some yogurt ice cream as I parked my car. A guy asked if, he, if I wanted to have my windows clean. And then he said, aren't you John Seaman from the film? So that's part of my two-person fan club. The other one was in Times Square, was asking for money, and uh, he recognized me. Nice. Uh, who do you miss from those days? Do you miss uh, a certain person or a performer, or who do you miss? Well, I miss Howie, and I miss... Uh, Franchek, Vince, Vince Franchek, because we, we, we used to hang out, and uh, those were great times for me and great days. Um, you know, I, I miss certain moments. Uh, one of the first films I was in uh, was with Sharon Thorpe, and when I saw her, I thought, my God, how does a guy like me get to have sex with someone as beautiful as Sharon Thorpe? I mean, it was... Uh, it was such a beautiful moment for me. Right. One of the, the most unique things was I was an a avid watcher for three seasons of, of The Deuce on HBO, and all of a sudden one time your name came up in conversation on the show. And I thought that was pretty cool. I, you know, I haven't seen that yet. I've had people have mentioned it to me. I, I need to see it. I'd like to see it. Yeah, yeah they, were, they were throwing they had headshots. Of course, you couldn't see the headshots, but, uh, uh, well, you know, we got this one, that one, and, and, and well, somebody just called John Seaman out, and then they threw your headshot down, and then they were referencing, they never mentioned Eric Edwards, but they referenced, well, we can't afford him, God, he's doing commercials now, and it was kind of a reference, I think, to uh, Eric Edwards, so that was kind of a cool thing, too, but yeah, so... So you're a part of that. Annie Sprinkle kind of had, she was a creative mind on that as well, too. Oh, I see. I see. So anyway, it was, and they mentioned Serena, too. I think it was a scene, they were going to have Serena cast, and they were looking for a co-star, and your, your name came up, and then they couldn't afford Eric Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, that was kind of, a, you know, my ears perked up, about, hey, I know that guy. So anyway, hey, let's turn things over to, uh, some of the folks in the in the crowd today. Jorge was number one. He was here first. So, Jorge, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Yourself? Good. Uh, first of all, thank you, John, for for joining us today. And I have two questions for you. Um, first of all, what what do you think of the of the Ron Jeremy situation? And my second question is. Um, how was it working with um, with Desiree in one of my favorites, Miss Magnificent? Well, uh, in terms of Ron Jeremy, I just I feel badly for him. I, I never knew him that well. He was seemed to be working in New York and L.A., and I was pretty much almost always in San Francisco. Okay. But I always liked I mean, I liked him enough, but I, did, I just didn't know him that well. And, and again, I feel badly that it's whatever's happening to him is right I, okay yeah yeah uh desiree uh she was beautiful uh that's all i and i think if she's the desiree I'm, now i'm thinking there's a couple of different desirees which one are you referring to um desiree costo in in the movie miss magnificent oh okay okay yeah she was something else yeah <laughs> Okay, yeah, that's one of my. I like that movie, but it, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> she she was uh, she was she was beautiful. She and I seemed to be on a slightly different wavelength when it came to the sex. Okay. You know, when, I, when I wanted to go in, she was going in at this or out. You know, we were going in opposite directions a little bit, but we worked it out. All right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate. And, sure. again, and again, thank you for joining us. Thank you. We were at a, a bookstore signing. I when when I lined Herschel up to come here, um, I thought, you know, you might, we might as well do one thing that would be cool. And so I sent letters out to um, area bookstores within like a ninety-mile radius, and said, look, we're going to be here. It's going to be a one-time only deal. If there's a 
a rain out or if there's something that comes up, we're not going to be able to do it. Well, Iowa had hurricane force winds in this area swath of, of the state, and this bookstore didn't have power for two days. And so anyway, the day before we were supposed to be there, we had power, and and uh, so he's there, and and uh, someone asked him about Ron Jeremy and uh, all these trumped-up charges on Ron Jeremy. And uh, Herschel says, he's guilty, and he's never getting out. <laughs> and so then they all started defending him, and he says, hey, Patrick, Ron needs to have his jury trial here. He'll go free. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was that was a, a fun thing that we had going on there. But um, do you want John? Do you watch any of it now? Uh, any of the X-rated stuff out there now? Occasionally, uh, I'll uh, search around for a, a woman that turns me on. Yeah. Uh, do you think? Do you think they've almost? reverted back to loops it's just one scene and it's just a loop it just it, it's just one scene a, a five or seven minute scene yeah yeah I, I remember the good old days in the mid 70s or so when we were trying to put together a film you know with a beginning middle and end you know not an extensive a short script but still it felt well like we were really trying to do something uh, there's nothing wrong with a single sex scene, but it was always fun to feel part of that whole production. Right, right. Hey, Chris is with us. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Patrick. Thank you for doing this again. You betcha. Uh, hello, hello, Mr. Seaman. How you doing? Hey, Chris. Hey. So you said you got out of the industry in 1985, and I was just curious, did you leave uh, because of the transition from film to video and the, and the lack of... of feature type scripts or were you out because of the AIDS scare or what caused you to leave? Well, the, the AIDS scare was definitely part of it. I went into the business trying to find a girlfriend and the last woman I worked with I was attracted to and hopeful there was might be a connection and then she told me she had a boyfriend who was a member of Hell's Angels and I knew that wasn't going to go any place. Uh, and my mother's second husband was a lawyer, and she said, you know, that the Republicans are going to start going after adult people associated with adult films. So it seemed like the timing for all of that made it a good time to get out. All right. Hey, thanks, Chris. Eric Edwards is with us. Eric, you hey, saw her. We, we, hey. we had lunch with the other day. <laughs> uh, hiya, John. How are you? I'm okay. Great to see you, Eric. It's been a few years, hasn't it? It has. Yeah. I have, I have one question, actually, that I, I've got to throw at you. Um, you've done a lot. I mean, you've done quite. I looked you up, and and you've done quite quite a few films. I've done a couple. But, <laughs> um, it, all right, three, maybe, <laughs> or a couple more. Uh, but anyway, John, um, the only film in all of those that, that, that you did, the only one that, that we actually worked together on was Ten Little Maidens. Do you remember that one? I do. I do. Okay, good, good, because uh, here's my question. Um, having been a director myself now also, what stories can you tell me? I mean, I know how I died in your movie. Uh, I don't know if anybody else watched that, but uh, I was uh, pussy poisoned. <laughs> it was like a takeoff on the on Ten Little Indians, the movie Ten Little Indians, and uh, the cast members die off in in, in the movie with mysterious murders uh, uh, <clears throat> and stuff. But anyway, my way was uh, somebody poisoned, released the delay as pussy. <laughs> And I'm going down on her, and I start gagging, and you know, and I kick the bucket right there. But what stories do you have about that movie? Well, what I, you know, I don't rem remember a whole lot. But what stood out for me was that big scene around the table. Oh yes. Uh, and how he was there, of course. And uh, I had planned how to shoot that scene, but pretty quickly. Uh, 
it got away from me in a sense and the cameraman just sort of took over and I felt like I was not there for any special purpose and Jamie took over with that greasy pig that he put on Amber's back and so on and it got a little crazy. Uh, a little. Then, yeah. A little. A little bit, yeah. Afterwards, uh, I think it was the next day in the morning or something, we had some time and went to a coffee shop or something. How he was there and there were several other guys there, and I wasn't feeling so great from the part I played in that scene, being the director. Uh, and and every, these guys, Howie in particular, really, we laughed and joked, and uh, it, it really was that camaraderie is what stays with me and picked me up and uh, made the whole occasion, the whole film, a, a better experience for me. Uh, otherwise, I remember I never got to do a scene with Ginger Lynn, but always wanted to, and I felt after that big scene, she was sort of affronted, sort of upset that I, I guess that I, I felt responsible for allowing Jamie to put that greasy pig on Amber and so forth, and I remember buying a, a lily or something and, and bringing it to Ginger Lynn, hoping to make up with her. That's, that's my memories. I yeah, it 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 was a an, an unusual film uh, to say the least. I, I had a, another scene in it that uh, oh gosh, I, I just I, Amberlynn I think and and uh, somebody else um, I forget. But anyways, it, it, I was tied down. I don't like being tied down, huh. and, and you know I was like on a you know like this you know on a table thing. Um, and uh, I, I'm just not into being you know, strapped in and, and having things done to me. I, I prefer to be the doer, not the dunny. So uh, it's it's a strange film because you're talking about people being knocked off, you know, instead of uh, uh, you know. Well, we we all had nice sex scenes and everything like that but still the, the concept of it was mm. was different you know back back at that particular time when we were making good films but I think you're right about uh, Patrick of what you were talking about uh, the industry just going back to the loops that I was brought up in in the late 60s early 70s it's gone full circle I think and just gone back to that Back in John's day, my day, Howie's day, we uh, we were doing some really great, great films, and it was a lot of fun, wasn't it, John? It was. It was. I, I miss those days. I really do. So do I. Too. One of those, one of those things that you remember from your past. Back when I was, before I was eighteen, I had found that my father had a Betamax version of Deep Throat, and so. Uh, this was probably 1979, 1980 or so, and you, you put the video in, and on the front end of the video, there were uh, three trailers of other movies coming soon to a theater near you, and the first one was uh, Meatballs. Harry Reams was in that. Uh, the other one was Expensive Taste. Uh, Joey Silvero was in that, and then a movie called Little Girls Blue, and John Seaman was in that, and, and it's it's, Me too. Uh, and, and you too. And it's just a, a cool thing. You go back and you think, wow, it was so, you know, cool to watch that. And then you, 40 years later, say, wait a minute, I'm on a Zoom chat with two guys that were in that movie. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool. Richard, anything to add uh, to uh, the conversation? So much, but it's John's day, not mine. Right, right. Uh, let me just say a couple of things. Um, the Little Girls in Blue, specifically, I had a call from John Seaman, who was the production manager, I think, on that movie as well. John was unique among all of us in that period in the Bay Area because he was an actor, he was a stunt cock, he was a production manager, he was a writer, he was a director, and he knew where all the bodies were buried backstage among the, where the money was coming from and how the business worked. There was only one John. 
the closest guy like that was a guy named Elliot Rosenblatt, who didn't have half the titles that you had, John. John was a major player. He also was the first person, first guy I met in the business that would talk to me about how to do it. My first five, ten sex scenes resulted in about one and a half erections. And um, I was, it was, the humiliation was off the charts, and I was determined to learn how to do it. And when I'd come on the set and I'd look at the other guys I was meeting, like Paul Thomas and John Rockhard and, and uh, Don Fernando, some of the guys. And what I discovered very quickly was that among the men, it wasn't live and let live. It was live and let die. Everybody was your competition. Nobody was going to help you. You sink or swim by yourself. Um, and I met John down that road, and he was kind enough to hear my confession, which I'm now giving to all of you, and help me out. He had been on some movies with me, and he started giving me some advice. Now, I can get into that, but you can read my book and find out all that stuff. But I, I don't have a career without John Seaman, period. Wow. Period. I die like a lot of guys died and never came back. Uh, he taught me how to do it. And John, thank you very much. <laughs> you you really helped me ruin my life. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll, the other thing about Ten Little Maidens, if you remember the movie Tom Jones, which had a very hot quasi-sex scene, more sexual reference than real sex, with uh, Albert Finney, and I don't know who the woman was, but she was delicious. Well, they had a food fuck or scene, and that was generally acknowledged as the best food fuck scene ever in a film, until Ten Little Maidens, which blew it out of the fucking water. <laughs> Ten Little Maidens was the grossest thing I've ever been part of. Uh, the talent alone, the guys, Rob Everett, John, you weren't even in it, John, you were the director. Rob Everett, Paul Thomas, Jamie Gillis, Harry Reams, and uh, Phil, Phil, I said Paul Thomas. I think that was it. And the women, Enina Hartley, um, uh, Lisa DeLeo, uh, Janie Robbins, Ginger Lynn, and Amber Lynn. You could have, it was the last big budget film of that era. You could have made 10 or more videos for what the talent alone cost in that movie. So it was, it was a swan song to a great era, and Jamie Gillis is out of his fucking mind. I never knew you were the director. I thought we had three directors in that movie, because there were three people telling us what to do, of which you were one. And I think you were the lowest salaried one, if I'm not mistaken. The guy that wrote it and produced it was there, giving orders. Right. And, uh, oh, oh, Jesus. One more story, because when John first asked me to be in the movie, he gave me a name of a guy, the, the producer. I can remember. It's a little guy with a, a high voice. You didn't tell me that part. But anyway, he tells me the producer, call him up and see if you can get a job. So I call the guy up, and he, I ask, a woman answers the phone. And I says, um, is, is whatever his name was. I can't remember his stage name. Is he there? And he says, this is me. I said, oh, I thought you were a woman. And he said, screaming at me. <laughs> Evidently, this happened to him a lot. And I thought, well, I guess I might get in this job. But he got over it, and I did get hired. All right, move on. How did you die in that one, in that movie, Ten Little Maidens? What was your, didn't you get killed also? I was the first one. I was the first guy out. Uh, in, the in the opening scene of the first dinner, um, what the hell do you is worth comment? We, the, the fucking starts happening, and it is so crazy that I'm standing on the side of the table fucking um, Deb Deborah? What? I forgot her name. Oh, she's gorgeous. I'm fucking a, a woman from the... I can't, I'll think of it in a minute. But I'm fucking her from behind. And I felt like a conservative Republican in that scene. <laughs> because Harry Reams is fucking a cherry pie. Jamie Gillis is fucking a pig. It was... I, I was mortified and just watching the show from this side. Uh, okay, I don't know where that was going. 
but that's where I went. Oh, so um, the, the getting the job with the high voice guy. That was the story there. And I was the first to die. You were asking me that. After, um, we were, after the meal with the sex was done, we heard a tape recording in the, in the plot from the owner of the house who accused us of all being lewd and licentious and evil pieces of shit. And we were all going to die over the weekend. And I started, uh, with all of you watching me, which is a wonderful audience, I chewed up all the scenery I could as I was choking to death, stood up, knocked over some statues, took about five minutes to fall down, as I recall. But I enjoyed it immensely. And, and just looking at the, at the cast of everybody in that movie, that would have been an impossible cast. I mean, that, that would have been a high-dollar cast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We all got paid very well. Yeah. Don, were you ever a uh, line producer? A couple, a few times that I recall, yeah. Okay. I, I seem to remember that also, that uh, that maybe you got us all into the hotel, and uh, the motel anyway, and, and kept track of all the talent and the crew and everything like that. Right. That was my often my job, yeah. Well, you did a good one. Thank you. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. I, uh, I, I really enjoyed that. And, and the motel people, we took over the whole place, if you remember that. I mean, the, they, they welcomed the, our, our crew and our cast and everything. Uh, and there was so much fun uh, going to that. The one I recall is the Hojo's in Marin County. That's right. That's right. That was a popular meeting place for the producers they yeah. start there in the morning cast and crew all put up and, and yeah and yeah. everything it, it was a blast it was it was one uh one movie i didn't see that you were in was the movie 10. how did how did that role end up being a role for you uh that was of course blake edwards did that and i think it was annette haven is my recollection somehow knew uh, Blake Edwards and his wife Julie Andrews uh, and they had this scene where Dudley Moore is having a, a wild is having is looking through his telescope across the chasm to his neighbor uh, maybe in the San Diego area or something like that and he sees his neighbors having this wild wonderful party and he's not part of it and I was just one of maybe 15, 20 people that were hired and met, I think, gathered us together, adult film people, to come down to, to L.A. from San Francisco and be the actors in this wild uh, sort of nothing. There was no nothing sexual happening, of course, but I was floating around on a raft, basically, on my stomach. And I was just in the film for a few seconds, but my cousin, Gordon, of all people, I don't know, half a year later or something. <laughs> that John, was that you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How um, do you do you get along with or keep up with or talk to uh, Annette these days? I haven't talked to Annette in quite a while. I, it's been a, at least a decade, maybe two. I'm not sure. I I would love to. There's so many people from those days. I would love to see again, but I I haven't. Other than Howie, who. We talk not a lot, but I feel a strong connection with Howie, but uh, not, not many other people. We just don't have a chance or a reason or something to get together unless somebody, when John Nuzzo died, uh, what happened to him? Yeah, I guess it was a memorial for him, and a bunch of us got together then, uh, but I don't know when, what the next occasion might be, unless you put it together, Patrick, somehow. And I'm willing to come go to Iowa for it. <laughs> for sweet corn, just like uh, Herschel did. Um, Eric Monte, the Rodney Dangerfield of porn, is with us. Uh, Eric, how are you doing today out in Philly? I'm okay. I, I, something, how are you doing, uh, our tour guest, John? How are you doing, John? Good, Eric. I, bro I broke in right when you were leaving. I broke in in 83 from Philly after I left teaching. And something you said struck a chord with me about meeting a girl. I met one girl on my, you know, I did about 100 films over 15 years, and that was Tyja Ray. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. You went mute. 
Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had a thing for Taisha Ray. I met her, I had a scene with her when she first broke in, but then she became, and I had such a crush on her. And then, you know, I was such an insecure guy anyway. <laughs> she became a big star, and I, that was about it. But anyway, I, I heard a lot about you. I think you were, I think you were a terrific actor. Thank you. Thank you very much, Eric. I, I had many crushes on women during my time there. Yeah, he was Eric. my main one. And then, and then uh, Patrick, <laughs> and then Patrick tells me she doesn't want to be bothered with anyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, ah, uh, yeah. Well, one of those, you know, she just left, you know, left her past in the past. And yeah. Anyway, that's why. Yeah. Now let's see if I can find some photos. I always like to play share time where we share some photos here. And uh, let's see. I'll just kind of go through a few of these here. Um, I met um, John at the um, uh, Legends of Exotica. And, of course, I met uh, Richard Pacheco there, too, as well. But um, let me see if I can share a screen here. This was, this was part of the event. See if you guys rec recognize all those. There's yeah. Cass Paley and... Alicia Hill, yeah. yeah. There you go, you're in the cover of Avian, Avian website right there. Oh yeah, next to Paul Johnson. Paul Johnson's on my left. Purple shirt there. Uh, see, uh, Jeannie had to have a part of her leg in the, in the deal. Yeah. There's Herschel getting some love after the show. Yeah. Um, Houston was supposed to be there, but she didn't make it. I guess. Um, more people that were there. Oh, I took that photo. <laughs> there's Bill and there's Howie. Now, Howie, you read uh, a couple of things. Did you do John's introduction as well as somebody else or just, just John? I did uh, John's introduction and uh, Paul Johnson's. What were a couple of things? Because I can't remember. It was it was noisy in the back. What were a couple of highlights that you read about John? Well, I'm sure what I mentioned earlier that John was so secure in his sexuality that he could take a, a newcomer like me and help me learn how to do it. He he didn't worry about whether or not I would get a job that might have gone to him. Uh, he knew he would get his work, and uh, so he was willing to help me uh, have a career and teach me how to function uh, in the sex game on screen. Uh, that was number one. And uh, number two was John's, uh, it, John was the kind of guy that producers would hire him just to be on the set in case any guy had trouble. John would step in and he was the, the only stunt cock I know of in the Bay Area who had regular work doing that. Um, they just wanted him there because they had, they had backup, they had insurance. So John would be there. He, John can get along with anybody. He has an right. amazing ability to um, be low-key in, in, in terms of his own needs and put himself uh, in a situation to he can do any job on the set and um, everybody was happy to see him there. So he was huge, huge in the Bay Area industry. And right. he's a very modest fellow. He won't jump right. up and say that kind of shit about himself. Um, which is funny because like my father taught me young in life, self-praise stinks, which is really terrible advice if you go into show business. Where, you know, I would hang out a lot with Sam Weston and John Leslie. And uh, I remember we, were on a, we played softball. We had our own softball team. And uh, we'd, we'd play a game, and then afterwards we'd talk about the game back at the hotel over drinks and stuff. And John would be talking about how great he was, and Sam would be talking about, how great he was. And I had gone for five, five for five and made a great play at the plate. And nobody said a word. And I was taught you don't talk about your, you don't brag. You let other people tell you you did a good job. And if they don't say anything, then you shut up. And that's the way it goes. Act like you've been there before. That's who John was. He didn't need to, he, he didn't need to go and sell himself all the time. He wasn't Ron Jeremy. Uh, oh. aside, from, aside from Ron Jeremy's problems with the ladies, 
which we're all hearing about. Ron was also the greatest self-promoter in the history of adult films. If you had told any of us in the 70s that Ron Jeremy was going to become John Holmes one day, the face of an industry, we'd have laughed in your face. But Ron Jeremy 24-7 worked at making Ron Jeremy a brand. And God, you got to give it to him. He was wildly successful, extraordinarily successful. That part of this story is amazing. Huh. Wow. Um, then in 2016, Herschel Savage did a one-man show and invited a few of his friends, and and uh, John was also at that as well, too. Yeah, that was great to see. That was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah there we are. Oh. Whoa. Oh, somebody Whoa. got a grab. <laughs> Herschel was good that day. He was. He was. <laughs> there he is. We were sitting on the ground and we couldn't get up. <laughs> and we weren't even drunk. We were just old. <laughs> I just talked to, before our show tonight, I just talked to David Bertolino. He was asking how Herschel's trip went to Iowa. So, Standing room only. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's... But those are a couple of encounters I had there, and that was it was always fun to meet. Lance is with us. Lance, how are we doing tonight? Doing terrific. I uh, more or less uh, want to listen, but since I'm here, I got a couple of questions for John. Um, first things first, is John Seaman your real name? It is Lance. I uh, for I, I kept it because one thing I, I wanted to get credit for what I was doing. I didn't want somebody to look up there and say it looks like John Seaman, but it couldn't be. Uh, and secondly, everybody thought I made it up anyway. So right. what the heck? I mean, isn't that kind of ironic? The name yeah. Seaman. I mean, you talk about the quintessential <laughs> porno actor's name. It's like <laughs> that's going to be right at the top of the yep. list. It's almost yep. like. A brilliant name to have made up to be in that business. <laughs> Hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Gosh, it's amazing. Anyway, uh, getting back to what um, we said, uh, what are your thoughts about what happened to um, uh, Ron Jeremy? What, what are your thoughts on his situation? Well, I just feel badly for the guy. I mean, I, I have no idea what happened because I never knew him well at all. Uh, but I, you know, it doesn't sound good. And, uh, <laughs> the idea of being behind bars at a late time in your life, uh, I mean, how bad can it get really? Looks like he's going to go. I mean, if he gets found guilty, he's done. It's the rest of his life. Yeah. I, w I would, you know, it's kind of sad. Yeah. Was on his very first shoot. What can you do? Anyway, look, John, pleasure. I just wanted to, you know, listen in and hear some stories. So well, I'm all set. Good to have you, Lance. Thanks. My pleasure. Thank you. Lance, I think this is the is the Sunday to hear a few stories. <laughs> yes, that's unequivocal. You're right about that. Yeah. Rob, you were going to say something, Rob? Oh, uh, no, I was just saying that I, I was on, uh, I, from what I understood, uh, uh, Ron Jeremy's very first feature. It was out in New Jersey uh, at uh, Mitch's, uh, Sharon Mitchell's uh, parents' house, I believe it was. And um, he was trying to impress us all because he he felt like a newcomer. And, um, you know, there was an insecurity that I picked up on right away. But uh, uh, it was... He, it was very funny because uh, we were like a little team, you know, all of us old timers in the in the business, if you want to call us old timers, you know, back in the early 70s. Um, but uh, we just experienced. And he was trying to impress everybody. And he was constantly on the phone. In fact, I threatened him with, uh, I was going to put some super glue or something on the phone so he wouldn't be able to remove it, you know, because it constantly. But uh, the one thing that, that got to me was the fact that in, in, in when he tried to impress us, um, he said, look what I can do, look what I can do. And he took off his 
his pants and everything and squatted down on the floor and started to give himself head. And uh, Mitch and I just looked at each other and looked down at this action that was happening in front of us. And poor Ronnie was uh, just so wanting to be part of us. And um, he eventually, you know, got in to the little circle. But he was always somebody uh, searching for attention. And uh, I guess he got it in kind of a bad way. But, uh, yeah, I've spent time in prison for fornicating. So I know what prison's like. All right. Jorge, what's going on? No, I just want to comment on on Eric's comment. I remember meeting meeting him at um at an exotica in Miami Beach with um with Sunny Lane, and I have to agree with you. He was, I don't know when when the ladies would 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 come to to meet him. He was like extremely, I don't know how how to say it, but but you know he would he would, I don't know. I just I just took it the wrong way maybe that he was like a pervert maybe but <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah I think he's guilty of, of all charges that that's that's my opinion and and I'm sorry if, if you guys disagree but yeah I I think he's going to jail yeah, yeah. I don't disagree but I think we need to be aware that the behavior of Ron and Jamie a lot, and a lot of other people in the industry was based in the kind of sexuality we were selling. Yes. The I, sexuality yes. of porn in the 70s and 60s and 30s and 20s, it was a male game. Yes, and sir. We, we were not talking about real sex between men and women, husbands and wives. We were talking about male fantasy of sex, the way men wanted women to behave and pretended like this was the way women would behave. And we made movies about that. And we okay. pretended like this was reality. That was never reality. It was a guy's game all the way. And guys got to do pretty disrespectful things to women, like squirting cum in their faces and fuck them in the ass without permission and generally dominating them. This is how guys are guys. And that's the shit we were selling. Um, for couples, it was offensive. For women, uh, with any self-respect, it was a difficult game to play. Uh, a lot of women played those roles because they got paid really well to play those roles. Some yes. of them actually thought that that was a good way to attract the man, that uh, if you want to be married, you've got to debase yourself. Um, our times have changed. Yes, sir. Uh, leading with people like Candida Royale, who I met when she was young and wild and just going, I won't be treated like this. Um, I just won't do these things. You're not going to come in my face. And she invented her own version of sex movies, um, which she tried to sell. And in the end, she talked about a game than she produced. But she was a first step. Um, the disappearance right. of big budgets, and I'll stop preaching in a minute. The disappearance of the big budgets created uh, the video industry where, because it only cost like $2,000 to make a video instead of $50,000 or $100,000 to make a movie, more right. people with different values could make their kind of sexuality. So we saw an explosion of the, of the quality, the different qualities of sex from S&M to women's angles, to lesbian, to gay, to whatever your fucking perversion was, you can get a whole movie of it now. Uh, and that's what the industry, that's a splintering that began, and that's, now we're two generations into that. Um, and women, the, the whole culture has changed. You just can't, guys still sit around going, it's like Trump is the kind of guy we all were like, uh, or trying to sell in the movies. Um, I was never comfortable with that. Right, right. No, I, I, I saw a deuce, uh, a, uh, a show of, of the deuce, as Pat was talking about, uh, about with Ron Jeremy was in it. And I don't know, I really didn't like that episode because he, like, he, like, really abused that girl. 
That was par for I the don't course. Know. That was par for the course for 70s movies. That was not exceptional. Rom was one of many people asked to play those kind of guys, including me. Okay. You know? right. I played I, I, I did a woman at knife point in, in a, movie, a movie called Easy. Okay. There was a there was a scene, and you know everybody had said to me, and then I, I should stop preaching about this. No, no, share, please. <laughs> everybody said if you want to be seriously taken in this business, you got to work for Anthony Spinelli. He's the best. He's you want. He's a real director. He's a real actor. Blah blah blah. You work for him. So I finally five or ten movies into the game, I meet Anthony Spinelli, and he hires me to work in a movie called Easy. And in the movie Easy, he wants me to play a teenager, who compromises his teacher in a classroom situation and at knife point rapes her and uh, I'm, I'm living Berkeley <laughs> this is the, the west coast home of women's liberation this this is not going to play well with my crowd and uh, I don't want to play this part but it's Spinelli it's, 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 it's. and I'm sitting there going well what the fuck and I said I don't I said to Sam I don't like the sexual politics of the scene I don't really want to play this part and he says to me, you're in the movie business. There's good guys and there's bad guys. You're going to play a bad guy. What the fuck's your problem? Are you an actor or not? And he, as far as acting goes, was absolutely right. You know, the guy that Robert De Niro and Jack Palance both played in Cape Fear was a very evil son of a fucking bitch. Correct. And they could win an Oscar for that in straight films. But you play that kind of guy in porn, and that movie's getting busted. Um, because in back in the 70s, you, you notice in the movies we were in, there was very little S&M in sex, because they learned if you're going to do S&M, you can't do real sex, because the movies that had S&M and sex in them together were the ones the authorities were really busting you for, and right. they got prosecuted. Correct. So we learned to keep those separate. Um, if you, like, I, again, I'm preaching too much. Sure, sure. Somebody no. shut me up. Sure. John, did you, John, who were some of your favorite directors you worked for? Did you work for Spinelli, or did, who were some of the favorite directors you worked for? Stan used me once or twice. Uh, I'm trying to think. Bob Chin was, I, you know, it's hard for me to come up with them. Let me. Sure. Uh, yeah. Dorenzi? Alex? I, I never worked for Alex. Uh, Dan, I'm trying to think of his last name, made a bunch of films, and he was a good filmmaker, too. Katie? Dan Katie. Thank you, Howie. Yeah, he, he was one of my very favorites uh, right there. Uh, uh, did you work for, did you work with John Holmes at all? I was, well, he was in Pizza Girls, and I was in Pizza Girls, and I think he was in another film that I happened to be in. I, you know, I talked with him briefly a few times, but I, I didn't can't say that I knew him at all. Oh, okay. All right. Now, you were the, the spy in Pizza Girls, I think. You were you ran that little remote car. Was that you that ran the little remote car? And I honestly to... don't remember exactly what I did in that film, to be honest with you. I just, basically, it was a, another Desiree Cousteau movie, and so that's why I had it. And then, of course, inside Desiree Cousteau, I, I, I think I had that on my desk somewhere. And uh, so I, I saw you in that as well, too. But um, a number of years ago, your niece wrote an a, a article about you for a magazine. How'd that go over uh, for her and for you and for the family? Well, I mean, I, I was fine with it. And I didn't, I don't know about my family. They, you know, I'm not, they may have cringed a little bit. They certainly didn't say don't do it or something. Uh so I was I I was happy, you know. I usually don't get to tell my story to anybody, and my nie my uh, great niece was interested. So, uh, yeah, I, I was pleased. The finished product I thought was, was pretty good. How how he read it, I believe. John, would you say that Virginia was the peak of your career? Would you, you want to tell tell us about that movie? Well, as a director, yes, yeah, a writer, director. Well, I, I was really the writer, the director and co-producer, along with Joe, Joe Steinman, I guess. No, I forget who. No, no. We raised, a friend of mine raised all the money for that film. for Virginia. You, you were the best picture of the year with that movie? I don't know if we made best picture. We got a lot of uh, 
trophies from it, but uh, I'm not sure about that specific one. Uh, yeah, it, it was. Uh, I always liked working with people. I had a great crew, uh, great cast, good locations. You know, it it was a it, it was a thrill always working with a lot of people, trying to create something good and trying to create a working situation everybody would be pretty hopefully happy with. Cool. What what sort of, uh, I know you said you got the uh, Legends of Exotica Award back in 2015. Were you uh, uh, feeded with other awards or trophies or Hall of Fames as well? Uh, let's see, I, what do you call it? Uh, not the primary actor, but the uh, secondary actor. What, what do you? Supporting, best supporting Supporting, actor. thank you. <laughs> so for uh, Sweet Savage, that was a, Ann Perry film, but I, I don't think my name shows up that often as getting that award, but I did. I got it along with someone in New York. I forget his, his name. We, we both got the award for whatever reason. Uh, let's, go back to, um, good. let's go back to Chris, and uh, you have another question for John. Uh, yeah. Uh, if someone were to want to, to try and introduce your work to uh, other people from an acting perspective, what particular roles or movies would you want them to see, like two or three that you're really, really proud of from an acting perspective? For my personal acting? Yes. There was a loop, actually, that I, I did for a guy, and we got to improv pretty much the whole thing. And I had read uh, an erotic story not that long before we did the loop. And I incorporate. he let me just run with it, and I incorporated that into it. But I'm sorry I can't be more specific than that. Let me think if there's anything else that... You know, nothing... Uh, Desires Within Young Girls, which is one of the very early ones that I was involved with, uh, and I, I did like what, what I, as much as I could, you know, what I did there. Uh, I don't recall. What's that? I, I was going to say, anything else, Chris? No, that, that was my question. Oh, cool. Well, thanks Thank for the, the question, Chris. You betcha. Lance, we'll go around to you one more time, see if, uh, if anything there is for you to add. Sure, John. Uh, what were your? Uh, I know it's kind of a cliche question. What's your? What were your favorite actresses? Were there some actresses? Maybe a better question is: Were there some actresses you really just didn't want to work with? Uh, just a couple, and I, I can't, honestly, I don't even remember their names, but I can picture one. Uh, what uh, what were the circumstances uh, where you just really did? You don't have to mention names, but what were the circumstances where I, you I really that, just didn't want to work with them? Well, the director just said, this is the scene we're doing, and you're with so-and-so. And I managed to get through it, but it was a struggle. I just, it just wasn't, the chemistry wasn't there, and I had to resort, resort to fantasy in my mind, which always helped me uh, so I could get through it. Uh, but that, that was rare. For the most part, I, I was thrilled to be having sex with somebody, you know, and uh, <laughs> great. Have you ever been married, John? Uh, you ever been married? Never been married. Do you think the fact that you were in the business may have affected your relationships off screen? No. Well, it, now I guess it, it might, but I, I'm basically uh, a loner, uh, a loner looking for a partner. And uh, I, I'm going to res resolve it, solve it before I leave this earth. I don't know okay. exactly how or when, but uh, that's my commitment to myself. You ever watch any of your old movies and masturbate to them? <laughs> I don't watch them, but in my mind, I replay them and masturbate to them. Yes. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Just curious. Absolutely. Curious. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks. Thank man. you. Glenn and sir. Uh, Rob, anything else on your end? Uh, well, actually, <clears throat> I, I hate to say this, but I need to uh, infuse myself. Um, okay. All right. 
I've been I've been putting it off and everything, but I'm on a schedule. I have every eight hours. I have to uh, I have a pick line in my arm right now to kill an infection in my foot, and I got to get the meds ready. So I'm going to say bye to all of you. Bye, John. Nice. Great to see you. Again. Great to see you, Eric. Good night, everyone. Be well. Stay well. Good health. Thank and Rob, you. you saw who we had lunch. You saw who we had lunch with the other day. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Lucky Harvey, my God. He says hi. He had a blast, didn't he? He did. Oh and, good. And she said him right on a few farm policy things that he thought were right, but she boy, she she corrected him on China trade deals and everything else. So that. Wow. <laughs> Quite a woman. Quite a yeah. woman. All right. Thanks for stopping by. Come back anytime. So, see you guys. You bet. Bye, Bye. Eric. But uh, that's uh, that's one thing that uh, you know on Sunday nights when we have different uh, performers come in, it's always neat to have kind of just uh, uh, like to hang around the barber shop, you might say, and have various folks come in and and if nothing else, you catch up on what everybody else is doing. Correct? Yeah. So, and, and Eric has stopped by many, many times, so that's always good. And, and uh, John, anytime you want to come by on a Sunday night, just holler and I'll get you the link and uh, we'll go from there. I'll get you into our autograph group. So, uh, do, do people other than me on occasion uh, send you autograph things to autograph or do you do much of that at all? I haven't. I haven't, but I'm certainly open to doing it, sure, if anybody would like me to. Yeah. Because it was always... You know, you're always you know in so many movies, and I know that many times the the big posters may not have had you listed on the in the bottom as one of the stars, but you were in the movie, and so a lot of people like to get things like that signed. So that's um, I I've, I think I've has, John Martin comes to mind too. Well, he was in a lot of movies, may not have been his name might have not been on the poster, but he was in the movies, and so I had him certainly. Uh, sign that too. I, I'm sad that he wasn't here tonight. I kind of had a hunch maybe he might have joined us. So, but um, uh, John, any uh, what's your plans for the next couple of years? Or are you just going to keep being the Zoom master, or what are we going to be doing the next couple of years? Well, you know, I talked about putting together a, a one-person show uh, based on my experience, why I got into the industry, and what it meant to me, and so on. And I've written a, a fair amount. Uh, but I've sort of stopped working on it, and I am going to try to re-energize my interest in it and see if I can't do that. So that's there. Or that's in the forefront right now. Sure, sure. I know uh, Herschel's done that. His went over quite well, and, and I'm sure yours would too, just yeah. telling stories and, and sharing experiences and some behind-the-scenes juicy stuff as well. Yeah. Eric Monty, what's up? Yeah, I wanted to say one thing to Jorge because he, uh, in a future in a future conference, I know Ronnie very well, Ron Jeremy. I mean, he got me into the business in '83. I've known him for like over 30 some years. And if you want to ask any questions, and and to Richard, um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. One of my scenes in '84 when I shot when uh, Ty first broke in, I had a scene with the Christara Barrington, which was a rape scene. Me and Tim Callum, we had a, a rape scene. I felt very uncomfortable. I remember the director saying, "Well, you're an actor." Do it. I mean, it was really, it was terrible. <laughs> yeah. I did a scene with Serena once where I was supposed to, the uh, sensuous detective, and, uh, you know, Serena was living with Jamie Gillis at the time. Mm -hmm. And I had, like, zero experience in S&M. Zero. Um, and I'm on the set, and we're about to shoot our scene, and we're running lines off stage. And I'm supposed to slap her around and spank her. And uh, I said, let's practice some stage fighting. And Serena says, oh, no, no, just hit me. I like that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm doing this S&M scene with Serena, who's an advanced practitioner, shall we say, of the dark arts. <laughs> and uh, I feel like Jerry Lewis. <laughs> lady, lady, I... <laughs> Thinking or thinking about how this was going to go over with the Berkeley crowd, you know, I couldn't finish that that scene fast enough. <laughs> okay, 
Good enough. Well, I tell you what, it's it's the end of our hour. I certainly want to thank John Seaman for stopping by. Always a pleasure. And uh, again, if uh, if anything trips your trigger on upcoming shows, we got Veronica Hart coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, certainly stop by then. I'm sure she'd like to hear about you too and hear from you too. So again, uh, thanks for coming by. Thank you, Patrick. You bet. Thank you to everybody. Nice meeting you. Great to see you, Howie. John, you're one of the heroes. You're you. <laughs> You, you, we gotta we gotta promote your your brand. You you were the guy. Ah, thanks. <laughs>